0: Drill, baby, drill.
1: He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come.
0: It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton.
1: America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome to a Monday, January ninth episode edition national championship edition of the elephants in the room
0: that's right i said to max it's so sad we don't have football tonight and he's like yes we do we have the national championship and i said it's so sad we don't have football tonight
1: which i thought was <laughs> an attack on america okay yeah okay. all right because how many sec championships at, do you have and is at, zero, is zero the correct answer was well, in zero would be right yeah at
0: least the kids sort of get paid now so
1: Sort of. These kids make bank. But okay, do- But
0: does everybody actually get paid or is it just sponsorships for like the stars?
1: So it works, a, it works a little bit differently, I believe, at each school. But I believe for the most part, like all of these kids in this game are going to collect something. Well, if you make it to a bowl game, this is the kind of the funny thing about college sports, because it used to be back in the day, you get to a bowl game like this and you got a big swag bag. You get, you know, and I'm going to date myself here, a Sony Walkman. You know, you, know, you, get, uh, you get an iPod, iPad, you Grandpa? know, an iPad, you know, but you get, and then you get Nike sneakers and you get headphones and you get this and that, you know, and it's like, it's like the, it's like the Academy Awards. These kids get $3,000 worth of gifts. They don't get that anymore? Well, they still get that, but now they also get their name, image, and likeness, their NIL. That's what, if you ever see NIL, in the news when it comes to college sports, it's name, image, and likeness. So so for the most part, I think every kid that's taking place in this is going to going to get something because the teams in the colleges make so much. But you're right. I mean, the, the kids at the upper echelon, just like in the NFL, your quarterback's going to get more.
0: Right, but in the NFL, there's a league minimum. Like, everyone gets paid. Yeah,
1: there's no league minimum.
0: That's what I'm saying. So, like, if you just play, like, special teams and you're like – I don't know the blocker or something. Like, are you making anything?
1: Yeah, you're gonna make a couple hundred bucks.
0: Nothing, I guess. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's it's way better than nothing. It's way better than nothing. You know, these kids they'll get they'll they'll get. But obviously, the big story in college football now that there's a college football off season because of this, there's basically free agency now in college football. Mm -hmm. Is that there was a rumor going around that the freshman quarterback at UNC, his last name's May. You will hear about this kid in the coming years. He's going to, he will, unless his career takes an unfortunate term, this is someone who you can kind of circle and go, okay, this is going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. What position does he play? Quarterback, University of North Carolina. The rumor was he was offered $5 million straight up to transfer schools.
0: Transfer where? To where?
1: To To wherever someone was going to pay him $5 million to go to.
0: Oh, so we don't know who offered him $5 million?
1: I mean, the rumors are, I mean, how many schools have five million? How many schools have nil programs where they're tossing five million dollars around? Probably
0: a lot because these schools way overcharge. You know everybody. the
1: funny thing is you can kind of name them on one hand, and it's the usual suspects: it's your Alabama's, your Notre Dame's, your Ohio States, your USC's. And I don't think USC offered them five million; they got a ton of recruits going in. And now we're now we've turned this into a full blown college football podcast, and people are learning about where uh, where Drake May may go next year. Yeah, uh, and if you're like <laughs> me, you're already
0: falling asleep. So. <laughs> What else are we talking about today?
1: (laughs) Well, anyways, I guess that's a good thing to know is that we do have a football game on in the background. So hopefully no one drops that. So so hopefully what happened last Monday does not happen again. I think we're allowed a little bit to, 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 to make that comment now that DeMar Hamlin, he's back in Buffalo. He's been released from the Cincinnati hospital. He's back in a hospital in Buffalo. The guy was tweeting. He's Instagramming. He's fully neurologically intact. His doctors are saying they're like jumping for joy. They can't believe he beat this guy. It seems like he's beaten every best outcome they could have imagined, right? This is like the kind of outcome that they never speak about when an event like this happens because it's so far away from where he was a week ago.
0: I hope you, he writes a book like that other you, person who died for like 30 minutes and wrote a book about their experience. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, it's really, um, you know, you you think, you you think about a week ago, and you think about even... You think about last week in general. I think there seemed to be just a little bit of a, a lull over the country. You know, because we all ex- saw and experienced this thing happen, this collective thing happen as a country on Monday night. Tuesday was the day that a lot of people went back into work after either a long weekend or extended time off. And last week it was. There was just a little bit of a... Everyone kind of wo- you know everyone woke up Tuesday morning and the first thought was is is he is he alive is he okay. Yeah. Um but luckily he is and it looks like he's going to be able to to bring some real good to the world with because that uh I believe the toy drive fund is now over 8 million. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think we've taken enough time you know that was a that was a pro football talk uh Ugh. uh uh level of uh level of uh, of procrastinating before we get into what we talk about.
0: here. <laughs> Well, I'm exhausted.
1: <laughs> uh, we do actually have breaking news to talk about. Whoa! Breaking news. Yeah, breaking, yeah, news yeah. breaking news. Breaking news. Joe Biden is no longer fit to serve.
0: Oh, is he finally come out and being demented? Yeah,
1: right. Well, he was never fit to serve in our eyes, but now he's definitely not fit to serve because classified documents from when Biden was vice president were found at his think tank's Washington office oh so first of all raise your hand if you knew that Joe Biden had a think-tank what's it called raise your hand if you think that raise your hand if you believe that Joe Biden has the ability to think no okay there we go <laughs> so there's a joke right there so Joe Biden the Joe Biden think tank just writing that out loud is an exercise in um, in how to form an oxymoron <laughs> The Joe Biden, the Joe so, Biden. Think what is tank. it called? It's the. It's uh, not called Joe it's Biden. It's the think Penn tank. Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Now, I'm pretty sure. Nonsense. I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden's only global engagement has been getting his drug addict son dodgy contracts from from questionable from dodgy contracts from from dodgy people overseas. Almost oh, definitely. <laughs> And so that's really all Joe Biden has done. I mean, they always try to prop him up as like this like serious statesman. But as we know, and you can google people from Robert Gates who served under Obama to to every to John McCain. People in the know who have been around Washington who are bipartisan or simply liberal people have said On the record, and I use Gates and McCain because they are two people who clearly, the elephants are not. I always like to use people I don't generally agree with to point out that someone else is a complete moron. Because I think it helps the argument. Because if I say Joe Biden's a moron, and John McCain and Robert Gates are saying Joe Biden's a moron, and they're national security figures, well, they might have something to say. Robert Gates and John McCain both said unanimously, Joe Biden has been wrong on every single national security issue in his 50 years in Washington now john mccain's been wrong a lot about too so you know <laughs> it might be throwing maybe throwing stones and glass houses there but suffice to say it is a bipartisan acknowledgement that joe biden when it comes to foreign policy is
0: is this not a similar less thing than adept is this not a similar thing that they just rated trump's
1: like house for this is exactly what they raided Mar-a-Lago for, yeah. and this is why I bring this up. When is the raid of Joe Biden's Delaware compound coming? Yeah. When is the raid of Joe Biden's Senate files at the University of Delaware coming? The files that we're not allowed to access. The files that we're well, not allowed to access. We need we need everything in Donald Trump's personal history, but Joe Biden's papers, as 50 years as a sitting senator, we're not allowed to access because. It would be, quote, and this is what he said during the campaign, it would just be a fishing expedition for my opponents. Hmm. So you've screwed up a whole bunch in 50 years, and you just don't want anyone to know how much of an idiot you are? Got it. Okay, Joe. Completely understood. But you're right. The Department of Justice, not that they have any credibility, but if they would like to gain some credibility in the eyes of the American people, might want to be as aggressive towards Joe Biden as they were towards Donald Trump or else we, or else this will be the confirmation that Trump did nothing, did nothing, right? Because if they're not going to go after Biden for it, they're now going to try to brush, brush the Trump stuff under the rug. Because one of two things are going to happen. One of two things are going to happen, right? It's, it's, either, it's either the House Republicans are going to investigate this and find out it's a lot bigger of a problem than it is, and the Department of Justice is gonna to have to go after a sitting president for something he did as vice president. Right? Because the House Republicans, now that we have subpoena power, we'll now get to the House Republicans.
0: Finally moved on from just voting. We've
1: moved on. We now get to investigate stuff like this.
0: Well, let's do it. It's it's okay. Monday. Yep. Have they have they started?
1: Not yet, not yet. The first thing I know the first thing that was on the list was defunding the 87,000 new IRS agents. Oh, yes, that is important. It's an important well, see the thing is is that while the defunding won't happen, that's the kind of vote that's a really important show vote. So that we can go back to each congressional district where that a democrat represents and go, "Hey, your congressperson just voted to get you audited. Do you want to be audited by the IRS? Oh, you don't want to be audited by the IRS? No. Oh, you should vote Republican. Okay, so votes like that. while well, and I know I myself am one of the top offenders of this poo-pooing symbolic things just because they're symbolic. Sometimes you need to do symbolic things to get people on the record. Right. That's so that's what it's and it's making Democrats. And this is the thing, right? I'll give you an example of a show vote or a symbolic vote that really doesn't mean anything. And that would be the House Republicans voting on a a national six week abortion ban. That's a symbolic vote that means nothing. In fact, it's a symbolic vote that would be really difficult for moderate Republicans to have to go back and defend, right? That would be really difficult, not to mention a national abortion ban would fly in the face of all conservative philosophy that we've come to love and espouse in our own personal lives because we don't believe that the federal government should be setting that kind of policy at all. And I know that there are groups out there, groups that we love and support and frankly give money to, that want the six-week national abortion ban vote on the record. Who supports it and who doesn't? Well, not only is that legislation never going to be passed, same with defunding the IRS agents, it's just a tricky vote to defend in a national environment that we'll be in in 2024. It's just tougher, okay? Those kind of votes are the kind of votes you need to do when you're in the majority and you have the chance to actually make that a law, okay? You take risky votes like that, when you can enact them into law and then take the consequences. If you just wanna put yourself out the, if you just wanna take up time away from investigations, away from things that'll make Democrats squeamish, then, then, you know, then, then we need to focus on things like the pocketbook issues. I really think we do over the next couple of years because you even have people, and I don't know how many of our listeners know who this person is, but Cardi B. Cardi B, some people may call her a musician or a rapper. A singer. A singer, what have you, was on TikTok or whatever last week saying that the price of groceries is too high. President Biden, you got to do something about that. Okay. Well, if Cardi B, who's got a platform of millions and millions, tens of millions of people on her social media. And did she do a good job speaking for the people, not just like herself? Well, yeah, she did. She was talking about like lettuce. Yeah. She's like, if I can't afford it, how can I, you know? She's like, if it's if it's expensive to me, how, how can uh, h- how can regular people afford it? <laughs> and, uh, and and that's the point. So you know, some of those some of those issues, and there and 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 I just want to make sure it's known. This is not poo pooing voting on social issues. This is not poo pooing putting Democrats in a corner on those issues. It's what are our priorities and what are the American people worried about right now. Okay, and it's very clear right now that pocketbook issues are the number one thing in the thing in the minds of the American people, and that there's a lot of stuff that Joe Biden doesn't want us to investigate. Well, let's let's start there, and 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 go on, and that's why uh and that's why to go back, um, the investigations are coming, but I know the IRS, IRS votes coming, and some of the other show votes are coming as well. But frankly, at this point, I mean, Joe Biden has to be fully investigated for this. If we're gonna treat, if we're gonna treat. This law, if this classified document thing at the same level that that, we're, that the media is treating it for Trump then Joe Biden I'm, I'm sorry he needs to be removed from office mm-hmm. he needs to be removed from office if he doesn't know how to properly handle classified information it's not fit for the office of the president because that's the standard that Adam Kinzinger Kinsinger, on CNN and every talking head on MSNBC has told us how
0: did we actually even find this like who dug this up well
1: it turns out that while they were, re- that attorneys reviewing things in a, uh, in a, in, in a uh, storage space at the University of Pennsylvania came across classified information that Joe Biden illegally took with him. What were they doing there? Well, they were reviewing files and going over things, making sure that things were not pro- were properly labeled. Turns out hmm. Joe Biden's a thief. There's no other way to, there's no other way to term it. There's no other way to term it. If we are going to say that Donald Trump is an idiot who doesn't who mishandles classified information on a regular basis, then Joe Biden is an idiot who mishandles classified information on a regular basis, who is unfit for the office of the presidency. That's it. Right. So I'm, I'm very excited to see tomorrow how we are all going to find out how this is different. This is different uh, than what Trump did. Right. Mm-hmm. It's different from what Trump did because Joe Biden is a Democrat. Well, yes, that's the only difference. That is the only difference. Because if we're supposed to believe all the reporting about the Trump documents, which we've intentionally left off of the show because it's incredibly boring. Okay? But if you read and want to read everything about what we know about the Trump classified documents, we know that a lot of it is personal correspondence. It's stuff that it's stuff that frankly he should just photocopied and kept. Right, and just leave the originals. That's what they got him on. They got the National Archives wanted the originals of some letters, and he kept the originals. Right? Stupid. Yes. Capital crime. No. Right. My guess is that Joe Biden. It sounds like did something similar. They're talking about how these might be personal correspondence. Hmm. Right. Stupid. Not a capital crime. However. We already know that they're treating Donald Trump, Trump's Mar-a-Lago documents, as if he was about to give away all of our nuclear secrets to Russia and Saudi Arabia. That was the fear, right? Right. He was going to sell everything to the highest bidder. My question is, if these documents exist in this one storage room at the University of Pennsylvania, what exists elsewhere in the Obama-Biden sphere that we do not know about? The FBI and the Department of Justice need to immediately, immediately tomorrow, tomorrow, raid all the Obama-Biden administration places where there may be documents. Raid them all now. Find out where the rest of the documents are. Or come out and admit that this is a gigantic farce. Those are the two options, as far as I see, if the Department of Justice wants to maintain any sort of if the Department of Justice wants to try and have credibility with the American people once again.
0: It's, it's a bit of a pickle. There's two
1: options. <laughs>
0: it's a bit of a pickle because I believe this is what they wanted to use to prevent Trump from running again. Correct. So they're in a bit of a, a bind here.
1: Yep. Oh, they're in a big bind. Speaking of Joe Biden doing things that Donald Trump did... You know that Joe Biden's building a wall? Oh, what kind? Uh, a private wall around his Delaware vacation house.
0: Oh, why is that?
1: I don't know. I thought, I thought walls were racist.
0: Are, does he not like it when people walk by his house? Are we dumping
1: illegals there? Well, maybe someone saw him skinny dipping. As we know from the memoirs of, or not the memoirs, but the reporting from many, many, many secret service agents, Joe Biden's got a little bit of a nudity problem. Just likes to walk around naked.
0: Ugh, things I didn't... Likes to skinny dip. Things I didn't need to know.
1: Put the kids around.
0: Nope.
1: Read into that what you will about our president. Okay. Um, Speaker McCarthy. Finally. America is still here. It's a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. It was a wildly entertaining thing that happened. For those of you who listen to this show regularly, you knew that we took a very humorous attitude towards this whole thing. Not really taking, well, I guess if we did take a a side, and the side was get as many concessions as you can. As long as you're fighting for policy, drag the thing out as long as you want. And as long as we're making gains. If you're not going to get anything out of it, then why are we doing it? And it turns out that there were some people, as we mentioned, who were fighting for gains, right? Freedom Caucus, a lot of the Freedom Caucus members were fighting were fighting for things. Um, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, he's a chair of the Freedom Caucus, and Chip Roy, representative from Texas, were kind of two guys that eventually— Conservatives kind of circled as people who were kind of leading the charge to get more Freedom Caucus members on the Rules Committee, to get Thomas Massey on a committee to investigate FBI um, uh, abuses during um, during the 2020 election. Um, um, you know, the speaker, the, the, having a motion to, to vote on the, the speaker, which is a, a kind of an inconsequential thing, but you know, Managed to, managed to become a rallying cry. Um, and, you know, votes, on um, I think probably the most important thing other than the Freedom Caucus members being on the Rules Committee was the breaking up bills. Voting yep. on the bills. Voting on the amendments of the bills. No more omnibus. No more of this. $1.7 trillion. You have 48 hours to read the bill and pass it. Good luck. Yeah, that um, was a good one. And so all of these... Wins were made By Friday afternoon And then Friday afternoon hits And then there's six And with these six Biggs just hates McCarthy That's just a personal beef Andy Biggs was the only person to put his name in the hat That said I want to run against McCarthy He was never going to vote for McCarthy Fine And I respect that, mostly because if you disagree with someone, put out an opposing agenda and your name and put yourself out there. Great. Andy Biggs, wonderful. Checkmark. A++. Well done. You hate the guy, but you did what a man does. You put your own butt out there on the line. Said, hey, I don't think it should be him. I think it should be me. I have no issues with that. Uh, Eli Crane, freshman Arizona, uh, who knows I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take I'm going to assume that Mr. Crane is probably going to have a pretty miserable two years in Congress yeah being a freshman who voted against the incoming speaker I'm going to take a shot and say that your experience in the Republican Congress is probably not going to be fun right he was probably now Eli Crane is a veteran I think he might be you want to be on the Armed Forces Committee maybe something with defense intelligence yeah have fun have fun being on the Agriculture Committee dude Yeah. Have fun. Have fun being on uh, Ways and Means.
0: Wasn't their whole thing to not blackball people?
1: Oh, yeah, but that's... (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, once you slam that gavel, the entire thing changes. And let me tell you, if you're a freshman rep and you're picking fights with the Speaker of the House... Remember, the speaker's got a lot more allies than you do. Okay. So, probably a tactical misstep by Mr. Crane, but probably a good fundraising one in the long term from him, since I'm going to take a shot and say, well, he's a very purple district. He's probably not sure if he's going to be a representative again. Um, he might be a one-termer. Um But uh, I'm going to take a shot and say he is going to be one of the people in Congress whose constituency is not going to be his physical constituency. It's going to be, you know, the Internet will be his constituency. Um, As for the others that held out, um, I'm not sure if I heard a less articulate, less intelligent person than Bob Good from Virginia. Um, This is a coward. Um, he routinely voted for everyone else, but McCarthy, he would never put his name out there. When asked straight up by Neil Cavuto, if Kevin McCarthy gave him everything that he was asking for, would he vote for McCarthy or Scalise? And he said, no. So Bob Good, he's a child. Um, I would recommend not paying too much attention to what Bob Good has to say in the future. Same with Boebert and Gates. Um, I think those are just two people who are just, uh, I think Matt Gates, uh, you know, I think I think he kind of I think I think Boebert and Gates just kind of identified themselves as people who were just um, just not serious, not not even conservative. And I think that that's the problem, right? It's Biggs is upset with McCarthy because McCarthy's not conservative enough. That's fine. Crane in Arizona, who knows what he's doing, but it probably has something along the same lines. Boebert and Gates, they didn't seem to have any, they weren't fighting for anything philosophically. It seemed, you know, they were just fighting. And to what I said about Bob Good, if you're not going to put your name out there, if you're going to embarrass yourself by nominating people who are voting for someone else because you're too much of a coward to nominate yourself or the the I nominate President Trump nonsense by Gates, um you know, you wonder what why how, you know, are you are you in Congress to make as much money as you can off of fundraising which I think is what Boebert and Gates' goal is is that this is now their business this is now the family business we need to make money are they married? no they're not oh no but like I'm saying like this is now how their family is going to make money right? they are going to be um, they are going to be people who prevent conservative reforms from happening because they're not going to look or feel the way that they want them to look or feel and that's kind of what this was about right it's We've given you everything you wanted. And M- Gates said, why did you vote present at the end of the day? He said, well, because I ran out of things you had to ask for. <laughs> what, what a it? child. What a child. You still couldn't vote for the guy that gave him everything you wanted. He gave him everything you wanted. I don't know what else you can possibly say about these two other than I hope they go back, they review their actions over the past couple of days, Review how Representative Perry and Representative Roy and Representative Jordan fought for conservative reforms behind the scenes, publicly stated the policies that they were fighting for, the rules changes that they were fighting for, and become more constructive conservative members of the Republican majority. Not everything's going to look the way you want it. Sometimes you need to use imperfect vessels to get through the changes that you want to get through. Okay? It's... I really hate to use another sports analogy because they use them so much, but there's a difference between... I think there's, there, there's, there's two different... When we say a team passes the eye test in sports, it typically means two things. One they win. Two, they look really good winning, okay? But here's the thing. When you look at a one-loss record in a box score, there's not an extra column for looked really good while winning. <laughs> you don't get an extra marker for that. And I think there is a tendency in for, for anyone who gets really emotionally involved in something that they don't just want the win. They want it to be sp- You don't want to defeat your opponents. You want to beat them into the ground. You don't want to just win the Super Bowl. You want to win the Super Bowl by 50 points, right? But at the end of the day, are you going to take a Super Bowl trophy over over a loss? Of course you are. Of course you are. And I just feel like sometimes on the conservative side of things, we get too involved with well, it's got to look a certain way, or the certain person has to do it, or you know, it's not enough to just take an incremental win, and and move on. You know, we always try to find something to poo-poo. And I really have to say that this week was a tremendous victory for productive conservatism in the House because it identified a bunch of members who are working really hard behind the scenes to get things done and to make sure that the House of Representatives begins to work the way it's supposed to work and then it also helped us identify people who maybe some of us in the conservative movement, if you've been giving them money, maybe it's time to cancel that. Maybe it's time to go, hey, look, you're really not working with us. You're more working against us now, right? Like when Matt Gates came out and said, I'll be willing to vote for Hakeem Jeffries, and he had to walk that back last week, right? This is reported by multiple sources. I don't know why he, he rejected that he said it. I mean, it's, it's been well reported by now kind of a fact. That's, that's what we call things that happened. Um, you know, if, if you're willing to be that kind of a carnival barker and go, well, I'll vote for Democrats because this isn't going to look the way that I want it to, then you're not a Republican. Then you're not a conservative. You're actually a Democrat, right? Like it, That's just the line that I have always drawn. If you're willing to work with Democrats, then you're a Democrat, right? If you're willing to hurt another Republican because you know, it's not something's not up to your liking, and you'd rather side with Democrats than go be a Democrat. Go be a Democrat. If you're that upset with Kevin McCarthy, go be a Democrat, please. It'll make things a lot easier for us on our end. Because you want to know what is Kevin McCarthy going to be a great Speaker of the House? I don't know. Is he going to be a conservative Speaker of the House? I don't know. Nor do you. Nor does Kevin McCarthy. Or nor to any of the 434 other members of the House of Representatives. So we've already won the first battle as conservatives, which is great, getting all these rule packages changed. Now's the next battle. Let's hold the guy's feet to the fire. Let's make sure we get these things done that we want to get done. Let's get the investigation started. Let's go do that. Let's start judging Kevin McCarthy not on what people tell us when they're being interviewed on cable news. Let's judge Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, on what Speaker McCarthy gets done.
0: Okay. Are we going to get into this boomer fight?
1: Boomer fight. There's only one person at the end of the day, though. You can make it, we can say as much as we want about Congressman Gates and Congresswoman Bobert and Congresswoman Good, who's more bad, Congressman Bad, in my book, um, even though he probably votes on stuff that I agree with 100% of the time. Um, I just have a visceral reaction against people who aren't smart. <coughs> Um, But, having said that, there's really only one person that came out of this looking absolutely terrible, absolutely as bad as you can as an elected official, and that is Representative Mike Rogers, Republican from Alabama. Now, did you know who Representative Mike Rogers, Republican of Alabama, was before Friday night? Well, that's
0: kind of a silly question because I probably only know like 5% of the people in the House of Representatives.
1: <laughs> I'm glad my rhetorical question was used so properly. There is a great, if, if you guys know this, mediaite.com, it's a, it's a site that captures a lot of what's going on in cable news. Um, they have a phenomenal picture for this story about Mike Rogers. So Mike Rogers, you may have, if you were watching this on Friday night, like we were, uh, sometime around midnight <laughs> Eastern time, after the 14th vote. That 14th vote was supposed to be the 14th and final vote. And mm-hmm. that's when Gates and Boebert flipped. And um, and instead of voting, McCarthy voted present. and um, And so McCarthy, after that, went up to him and was like, hey, listen... <laughs> Dude, you went back on your word. That's really unbecoming. And Gates and McCarthy went back and forth and then representative Mike Rogers comes over visibly upset at Matt Gates. So upset that he decides to lunge at Matt Gates and has to be held back by some of his other colleagues. Now, in the picture, you know,
0: as someone who doesn't like to stay up late either, I can appreciate how annoyed he was. Maybe he just wanted to go to bed. It was like midnight. And he probably was hungry. Where's the food in this whole thing?
1: People were upset. The Democrats were all... The Democrats were the ones that wanted this to go on forever. But you could tell 90% of the Democrats were like... I really want to adjourn. This is really stupid. Let them figure it out. Send me an email and I'll come back to work when this is all done. You could tell like there's like like 85% of Congress was like that. And then there's like 15% that were really enjoying this like I was. But there's this great picture of Rodgers being held back. And then you have, now you may have seen him on TV. His name's Patrick McHenry. Now, Patrick McHenry is a representative from North Carolina. He's part of the McCarthy leadership team. Uh, I forget what he's going to chair. He's going to be a very important—he might chair Ways and and Means. He might be a chair of a very, very, very big committee, very important committee. He's a very well-known, respected guy. He also has a very distinctive style. He's got round eyeglasses, and he's always got a bow tie on. And he's a very sharp-dressed guy, smart guy, conservative guy— I say all these nice things because if you go into the dictionary and you look up the n- definition of the word "point dexter," you're going to see a picture of, uh, our, of of our friend from North Carolina there, um, and and he's reaching out to try to hold back Rogers McHenry is, and this looks like a man who is like. I've never seen two people get into a fistfight before. What the hell is going on here? It's a really beautiful picture. Mike Rogers uh, was going to chair the Armed Services Committee um, heading into this next Congress. He will no longer be chairing the House Armed Services Committee this Congress based on the fact that he tried to physically attack one of his colleagues. (laughs) Um, You know, we're
0: just so soft as a nation. Back in the day, Jefferson and what's-his-face had a duel. Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. Didn't they continue legislating? Did he get kicked off the nonsense committee?
1: You can call me Aaron Burr from the way I'm dropping Hamiltons.
0: Yeah, except they probably didn't have committees back then because uh, you know, Congress actually voted on things and then went home and had jobs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true.
0: They don't need to have committees. They need to go work in the fields.
1: Well, I think that's a great segue, working in the fields. Because (laughs) it's time for us to segue out of politics here and back into college football. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) you know see the people listening not watching the people listening don't get the same enjoyment that i get out of trying to surprise katie during these these shows trying to get the different facial expressions out of her maybe
0: one day we'll do a simultaneous youtube stream if this gets big enough so if we tell your friends so we 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 can get big enough if
1: we get to 50 subscribers we're doing youtube
0: okay you heard it here first folks We're pretty close to that, so tell your friends.
1: Um. All right. I guess I'm going to talk about food. Oh, I was just going to mention the guy who uh, threw the white claws at Senator Cruz during the Houston Astros parade. Will he be? Will he be? Will he be facing charges for that? Was he just
0: trying to hydrate Ted Cruz, or he doesn't like white claw? Like what? (laughs) I don't need these. Because I feel like there's a less expensive drink that you could throw away at someone.
1: So, okay, actually, that's a great point. White Claw, for what it is, might be the most outrageously priced beverage in the world. (laughs) I mean, we are talking about seltzer
0: mixed with grain
1: alcohol. It's not even good. No.
0: If you want to drink that and make your own with some flavored alcohol, it tastes so much better.
1: Folks, for people in the Phoenix metro area, let me give you a little hint. You go to your local Fries. There's a delicious little nugget that costs five ninety nine. It's called Four Freedoms Vodka, and it's a fifth of it. Okay, this is what you use for mixing or paint thinning. Um.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what I recommend.
1: <laughs> I um, think the Four Freedoms is delicious. I ran mm-hmm. into a wonderful Polish man at the re- at the uh, restaurant at the supermarket the other day, and he goes, "Hey, you're buying my brands." Had a little chat.
0: I'm so glad you made a friend through your disgusting alcohol
1: (laughs) Anyways
0: Okay What food, what were we going to talk about?
1: Yes, after I segued from my air After I interrupted my own segue. Shannon and Eve Mingalone avow that their farmer's market booth is Quote, very gay They hang strings of pride flags And sell rainbow stickers To help pay for gender affirming care like hormone replacement therapy for Eve. Sometimes when parents and their teenagers pass the booth, the adults glance, then speed ahead. The kids pause for a second look. Shannon, 34, hopes it means something for them to see LGBTQ professionals out and succeeding. Where is this? People often share stories, the middle-aged woman who confided that her daughter is transgender, the teen who stood in the middle of the Mingolones booth and said, this makes me feel safe. That means everything to me, Shannon said. Now in their second season, she and Eve 35 grow more than 45 varieties of vegetables at their business, Ramshackle Farm in Harvard, Illinois. This comes from an article, Queering, the family farm, meet the LGBTQ Midwest farmers taking food justice into their own hands. We're not just raising food. We're creating safe spaces for people. Katie, you are now looking at the photo of Shannon and Eve. Which one do you believe is Eve who's receiving hormone replacement therapy? Oof.
0: I mean, one clearly looks like a woman. One... Looks like a man, but it doesn't look like he is trying to be a she, but I guess he is.
1: Yeah, well the beard The, the tall beard, man the beard the, tall doesn't, thing? the beard doesn't help him, nor does the Adam's apple. But I'm pretty sure that uh, I can confirm that the tall one is Eve. Okay. Probably formerly Steve. <laughs> Shannon wears her politics on her coveralls. Her favorite jean jacket includes patches that declare, end monoculture. Save the earth bankrupt a corporation i'm actually not sure i find either of those super political or super um i don't know counterculture to be completely honest even a lot of corporations people don't like i mean what's BlackRock's? you know public you know yeah you know what's what's their polling look like one percent approval
0: okay (laughs) but uh, you know what bothers me about all these types of stories sure is that They think they're solving a problem where there Mm -hmm. isn't a problem. It's like, look at us. We're so innovative. We're a trans farmer. Well, correct. So, like, what problem are you solving? We already have produce. Well, so that's the thing. Are the trans not eating the produce until you started having your farm? It sounds like you're just making a spectacle.
1: Well, so yeah, of course. I mean, there is of course that spectacle because so part of this came up because believe it or not, there are no definitive figures uh, to measure how many LGBTQ people farm in America. Well, maybe because it doesn't matter how many LGBTQ people farm in America. It matters how many people are farming in America. Um, see, when word of so there was a survey that was sent out. Uh, an agriculture census survey that was sent out to all of these farmers. Oh, Lord. And they got the survey that was asking for their sexual identification, sexual orientation. <laughs> and if you can imagine, obviously, there is a stereotype of the farmer, right? Stereo- what do you think of when you think of farmer?
0: Um, hard-working, blue-collar, American.
1: I think of a white guy in overalls, <laughs> Right people out and you know i i you know and, and and i and i hesitate to say white but it's because america is still a majority white country that's just where the general but you know you think of however i will say i no longer think of santa claus as a white guy because all i can think of when i see think of santa claus now is lovey smith and the beard <laughs> but nevertheless former houston texans head coach lovey smith don't know what's going down there in houston but um um, that's just kind of, and and that's, and they get into this article that a lot of people have that stereotype. There's the stereotype of the, the white male farmer, and they're showing that well, it's different, and it gets into the whole representation matters in this and that. But it's really kind of funny how they start to dig into this, and um, so there's a, a Katie Katie Densman, a rural sociology and public policy professor at Iowa State. Um, university. If you're completely unaware that these people are out there, then their issues are completely ignored. In a way, that is perpetuating violence in a system. This Densman woman tried to figure out how many um, LGBTQ farms there are in America. Out of all the farms in America, what percent do you think are LGBTQ? I don't know. One percent. One percent. One percent. There you go.
0: How much? How much of the population is Q, or T, or whatever? I think not right. gay, lesbian, like the T.
1: Might LGBTQ people's unique advantage draw them to sustainable farming? It's possible, Densman said. But as other sociologists have proposed, the economic and social disadvantages queer people face also might funnel them into alternative agriculture. That is, they lack the expansive resources and capital necessary to farm conventionally. Statistically, LGBTQ people experience higher rates of poverty and food insecurity compared to non-LGBTQ people. They also earn less dollar for dollar and disproportionately experience homelessness. Then add the upfront costs of farming. So now farming is perpetuating uh, violence.
0: Farming is not a great industry to get into if you're in it for the money.
1: It's, a, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And they talk about, they, talk, they go into this and they, they talk about, you know, there's this older gay male couple, 50-year-old guys who own a dairy farm in Iowa. You know, there's milking cows all day long, being gay.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, and he's like, one of them is like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be doing this if I wasn't able to inherit this from my family. You know, But that speaks less to LGBTQ issues and that speaks more to that there are haves and have-nots in society. I don't really think that that is a I, well, queer issue. The thing you know, about, the, the thing the, thing about the, farming... The allocation of capital.
0: The thing about farming is that, yes, it requires a ton of capital and it takes a very long time to recoup it Yeah. because you are selling a commodity. So you don't get to set the pricing. Correct. So I... To me, this is just hilarious because it's difficult for anyone to get into because it's not a good business. It's difficult. The people who stay in it get into it because it's been inherited.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this: it's difficult to get into a lot of businesses these days. It's it's there is a there there is a reality in in America where um, over time there has been a. And Charles Murray wrote a great book about this coming apart, where there has been a capital
0: no one can see your hands. What are you trying
1: to say? I'm trying to say that 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 capital has become more focused, concentrated concentrated in a smaller group of people. And I think for traditional industries like farming, if you don't have access to that capital, it would be very difficult and this is why i think we've seen with technology and the internet it's such a great equalizer where you don't need to have that the like family resources to break into the business right you can just make a really good product spend a lot of time marketing it and promoting it and fixing it and maybe you get somewhere but the barrier of uh, you know, the barrier to entry in a lot of tech industries is lower than it is in something that's so capital intensive, like you said, like farming, you know, because it's not just having the land. It's all that farming equipment, right? You need to be able to take out loans. You need something to, you need something to put up to a bank as collateral in order to, to finance the farming operation at the beginning, you know, to your point. And it's a very, um, it's a heck of an industry that, like you said, it's a heck of an industry to get into. Um, You know, I, and that's, and that's what, that's the conclusion. I kind of came to reading this. The, the thing that I also was thinking about while reading this is the identity, the, this is, we need to, this is simply, um, representation matters. Like we need gay people at the farmer's market.
0: That just annoys me to my core, that whole concept Like Mm -hmm. I never in my life thought, oh, I can't be president because a woman hasn't been president. I looked at anything as an opportunity. It was more so, do I have a passion for this? Do I really want to do this? It wasn't like, well, a woman's never been there, so I guess that's off the list. Like, right. what parents are telling their kids, oh, sorry, uh, a man's never done that, so you can't do it, or sorry, a woman's never done that, so you can't do it.
1: Like, The worst what? parents in the world. There are bad parents who do it. There are bad people out there who have yeah, kids. Yeah, and
0: guess what? Even having someone there, probably not going to help those kids because what your parents say to you is much more important.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird. I mean, I thought that that was always like an intoxicating idea to be the first to do something. Yeah, that's like motivating. That's it, that, it's like one of the most intoxicating ideas that you could think of that of the entire history of the world, the entire history of every human being. You are the first human being to do something of that. Yeah the first of your kind, the first of your whatever to do something, why wouldn't, how could, how could that not motivate you? Yeah. Unless you're told daily by a crappy human that you're never gonna amount to nothing. Right. And I think that that's the real problem. I think that the real problem is, is that a lot of these kids were raised by people who didn't lift them up. Yeah right it doesn't have anything to do with being gay or trans or bi or two spirit or whatever the hell you want to call yourself these days in order to get attention from your your friends or people who are trying to get to like you okay that okay. matter is that, that the first person that you need to get to like you is yourself
0: yeah it's not representation it's mm-hmm. knowledge that it exists yeah like a kid from the you know, a poor part of town isn't going to be a software engineer if he doesn't even know what that is. Correct. He's never going to be a farmer if he doesn't know what that is. Correct. It's not that someone from a poor place has never been a software engineer. No, it's because they don't even know what it is.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So it's more so about getting these kids knowledge about different things and exposing them to different things, which is what good parents do. That's what's more important than representation.
1: I'm not going to... I once heard someone I was having a this was a converse, group conversation that was being had and, and honestly at this point we're talking about a conversation that was being had about 16 17 years ago and we were arguing what the purpose of of it this was that I to say a Republican club at Phillips Exeter Academy where I went to high school and we kind of we, we, we would pick a different topic every week and do these deep dives into it and you know towards the end of one of them we argued, well really what is this all about what is this all about? Why are, they, why, why are we taking an hour out of our evening where we know we're going to be up until midnight doing homework on a Tuesday night? Sorry, we're not up until midnight doing work homework Tuesday night. Wednesday was a half day. We know we're going to be up late at night. We're taking an hour, hour and a half out of our evening when we should be doing schoolwork. All right? It's already 7 o'clock at night. We're having this meeting. I'm not going to get home until 7.30. I got four hours of work. I'm going to get in bed at midnight. Wake up at 6.00. Why are we having this conversation? Why do we care? Why do we care? We start talking about what's the point of all this? What's the point of politics? And finally, actually, the one adult in the room, the one adult, said, you know, know, there's something to be said about politics being a fight to make sure that every five-year-old in America, when they step into the kindergarten classroom, has the same Shot as all the other kids in the classroom and it really and and that that's really all that we can do as a society is try to make sure that we give as many of our young youth a chance to excel a chance to succeed regardless of their familiar familiar familiarity famil- <laughs> family situation oh, okay and that thought has always stayed with me. Because you're right, you cannot strive to become something if you do not know that it exists. You cannot dream if you do not know the dream is possible. Right? And, to what we were just talking about, you know, with, you know, with our farmers, there's a lot of kids out there who have never been allowed to dream. And they're just finding out that they're now allowed to dream, but they're not kids, they're young adults. Right? And... <clears throat> this is why we say there's so many problems in America that it's... it's. We can try to come up with to many political solutions as we can for problems like people not feeling that they're represented or people feeling that they need safe spaces or or you know, or tax policy, or, you know, how we're going to incentivize businesses to, you know, hire hire domestic workers and not look overseas or, you know, all of these different things that we discuss on a daily basis when it comes to politics. You know, the the, the reality the reality is, is that human beings on every day interact with human beings and that these days, and, and and that there has been, you know, starting with Generation X, X, the latchkey generation, and moving through the millennials and to the Zoomers that we have now, is that increasingly kids are being born out of wedlock. They're being into being born into broken homes. They're being born into homes where they're not going to have parents available to them when kids should have parents available to them. Parents, and because of that, parents aren't taking the same interest in their children's education development as they were previously, and that's leading to negative outcomes in society so how do we solve that as a country right and that's what we talk about in this we talk about in the show there are too many people in this country who put their hopes on politicians trying to solve problems that human beings have already solved That human beings have, have made for themselves in order for human beings to change how human beings are legislating and how we're fixing our problems we need to change ourselves as human beings we need to change what's on the inside you know, we need to start. You know, loving ourselves. We need to start loving others. We need to start treating kids as the most vulnerable people in our in our society and giving them the love and encouragement and support that they need, so that they don't grow up to be adults who don't know, who who are are stunned to learn that that there are there are possibilities available to them that they never even thought of. And um, generally, our food segments don't take that serious of a turn, but it kind of hit me there that that there's that. You know, in this little article, you see a lot of things that happen in our society that I think would simply not be there if a couple of more parents took a couple of more minutes to sit down with their kids and tell them how much they loved and cared about them and fought the world with them and said, You're going to be everything that you want to be in the world.
0: Yeah. And you know, Go to the library. Read about
1: things. I'm go to the library. To on something funny. Okay. So the world's number one restaurant. Um, uh, How
0: did that get decided?
1: I know, right? The world's number one. It's like the world's number one beer, right? What's the world's number one beer? Well, it's the beer that you think is best, right? But, but was this decided to... by a survey? Yeah, it's decided by whoever. I don't know. Fine Dining, whatever magazine, whoever. But one of them, I, I, I'm familiar with this restaurant. It's a high-profile restaurant. Denmark, Copenhagen, it's called NOMA. I know it's considered to be among the world's best. It's closing. They're saying that the fine dining structure, the fine dining business is, uh, is on the decline. Oh. To which I would say, if fine dining establishments, like Hollywood with movies, if you serve people food that they wanted to eat, people would go and pay for it. But the fact of the matter is, and I will pick on this one restaurant, I'm not going to name it, but I will pick on it for the rest of my life. And it is the one restaurant that when I am with my in-laws, all of them love this place. But there is an agreement in the family that if we are going to go there for dinner, you need to know, let Max know so that he can have dinner before dinner. And that's why people in America and around the world are increasingly not going to fine dining because I don't want to pay $300 for a foam that has the essence of cucumber. <laughs> and I have the picture to prove the story. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's right. I need a better beer list too.
0: I think... I don't know. There,
1: there, there, are two, there are two people listening to this story right now that are probably laughing and know exactly.
0: And they're time. never going to take you there again. So oh, you're welcome.
1: Uh, Gordo's, Gordo's will be most hurt by that decision because that's my dinner those nights.
0: So I don't know the backstory behind this article <laughs> and like why they are closing. But I would think it would ha- more so have to do with COVID. Yes. That's what and it is. Uh, the economy in a downturn Like you're coming out of Being in the You know Red for multiple mm-hmm. Months Years And now you're trying To make up all this money On a depleted Consumer base Who Is just trying to You know Figure out how to pay Four times For eggs What they used to pay
1: There's actually there, So you're 100% Hit the nail on the head I just wanted it to use To I just wanted to story To make fun of fine dining <laughs> um, But But I will say this, so you hit the nail on the head. Really what they talk into how people's, it's it's kind of interesting, it's a, actually a very interesting article about how they talk about how our dining habits changed during the pandemic. And then it gets into the more sinister side of fine dining of like Wall Street firms, like very prestigious places to work. What do oh, these they, places they don't run go on? To the office anymore. No, what oh. do these places run on? I don't know. Low paid help low paid help, unpaid interns. Hey, it's prestigious to work here. We're gonna pay you dirt. It's prestigious to be an intern here. You're gonna be an intern here. We're not gonna pay you anything. Well, these places got a really bad reputation and now none of the good chefs or none of the good up and coming chefs wanna work at these places. They're like, I can go make money going elsewhere and I don't need your stupid name on my resume.
0: Interesting.
1: So they can't get help. They can't get help because they work these kids to a bone and they don't pay them anything well sounds like a
0: simple solution exactly
1: so they're saying there's like a sinister and there's like a sinister like immigration side to this fine dining apparently Mm. where they like this noma place they would um try to get people to you know immigrants to to come to denmark to work and then um you know noma would be their sponsor and they pay them dirt and if they tried to work somewhere else they'd go we'll cancel your v's and send you home right Right, right, so you essentially indentured servant to the restaurant. Yeah, so there's some like some really bad stuff that went on apparently. Um, that's all I have. But we yeah, went, we went double today we because did. it's, we didn't do Friday, so you get double dose. But
0: I want to end it on something hilarious. That okay. if we were simultaneously filming this on YouTube, you would have all seen this happen in real time and seen my face. But Max has this wonderful habit of not only stealing my pens, but he then breaks a piece of them off all the time. The piece that enables you to attach it to notebooks and things. I'm a I don't, fidgeter. I don't know what the name of this thing is, but now another pen has bit the dust and it happened live on air. And I gave Max the look of the devil when he did it. It was, it was
1: fantastic. <laughs> I did it. And this thing, it just it's popped a, immediately. It all took 30 of, seconds.
0: All of my willpower not to interrupt whatever we are talking about to yell at him. <laughs>
1: I have. I have a lot of, I always have pens on me. I always have like two or three pens on me at all times. I bite them. I break them. I pick them apart. I throw them. I'm and a very active animated person. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I live my life like that. And that's why I need things to throw and write yeah, down notes. I'm always scribbling notes down to myself on stuff.
0: I live life very by the book. Everything is clean and orderly i don't break things that i own so yes
1: listen two ways to play the game you're joe burrow okay you're yeah. joe cool you're joe burr okay nothing ever phases you okay me emotional nut job wacko so All right? you know if
0: you want to see these things in real time next time tell your friends about our podcast leave us a review on apple or spotify that helps other people find us and uh you will hear us on wednesday
1: oh yeah you will probably not for an hour though (laughs) we'll see one elephant went out to play upon a spider's web one day the chant is drill baby drill he had such enormous fun that he called for for another another elephant elephant to come
0: it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump, is not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Two
1: elephants were out at bay upon a spider's web one day. They had such enormous fun that they called for everyone to come. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Out the
0: bushes. This jet is a mess.